Welcome to Food, Wine, and Whiskey, a podcast about having fun conversations on tasty dishes, vinos, and spirits from around the world. Rob is your host. He is an avid home chef, WSET Level 2 award in wine, and a whiskey drinker and collector. Time to set the table. Here's Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you so much for joining in and listening to our our show, and it's going to be a fun one today. We got Carter back on. Uh, an episode been a little while, buddy. Good to have you back. Yeah, yeah. Um, People have missed your back. voice. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> I I've missed being here. Yeah, you, you've you've been busy creating humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a daughter now, so she takes up a little bit of time. And uh, yeah, so uh, it's it's nice to be back on the show. For yeah, sure. good to have you back. And uh, Leo, back on the show, been on a few times. How yeah. you doing, buddy? I'm glad to hear Matt's voice again as well. Yeah. And see his pretty face. That's right. It is a pretty face. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, 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 I'm trying to age gracefully. You're, you're doing a good job. Thanks. You're doing a good job. <laughs> All right. Everybody can see by our title today, we're going to do Bourbon Talk with an Eagle Rare Blind. And the three of us were in on the uh, one of the bourbons that's in this blind, which is an Eagle Rare pick from Ryan's Liquor. Uh, man, that took a while. How long did it take for that to find? I mean, we picked that... Darn near a year ago. It, it was almost a year, I think, or if not over yeah. a year, actually. I feel like it was like around the holidays of 2022 when we picked it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And it came out, you know, November of 2023. Recent year. Yeah, yeah, 2023. So a little over a year. Dang, yeah. man. Now, I, I have a couple bottles. I know you guys have a couple bottles. I have not even sipped on this yet. I think both of you have. Have you tried our pick? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I like it. Okay. Yeah. So I no doubts that you guys could pick this out. <laughs> I mean, no <laughs> doubt. Bad chance of that happening. You know? Bad chance. Okay. Bourbon talk. Uh, the topic today while we do this blind, I thought it would be good to just kind of talk about what are we seeing in the bourbon world? What do, what do we – I mean – there's things that I get excited about, and some of those things might, people might say, what the hell, dude? Why are you excited about that? Uh, it's because I'm, I'm, I'm glad the craze is going away. I'll start there. I, I think I feel like the bourbon hysteria is kind of settling a little bit. I think we're kind of starting to level out. We've hit our peak, and I think we're kind of on this leveling. Uh, and, and the only reason I think we're not on a, a downward kind of trend is I still think there's a lot of younger people getting into bourbon. And that's just kind of keeping it afloat where it still has some hype to it. I think it still has like a lot of appeal and I think it's going to continue to have that, you know. Um, But I will say I have noticed the crazy, crazy stuff going, going away a little bit more. Uh, Like not that, I mean, I think they're, you're not going to start seeing GTS sitting on the shelf or anything like that anytime soon. But uh but like you, some of the big hype, like people are going just absolutely nuts over smoke wagon or something like that. I, I don't. Yeah, that Heaven Hill bottled and bond. Yeah, yeah. That stuff is you know more readily available on the shelf now. Smoke wagon, Heaven Hill, Bib. Yeah, that, that's one of the indicators for me uh, has been over the last. I guess for me, I, you know, I, I'll be honest. A lot of times when I go to the liquor stores or, or uh, you know big box stores, I, I don't even go to the the bourbon aisle too much anymore i might go down the tequila aisle or the rum aisle but i haven't been hitting the uh the bourbon aisle a lot up until about a couple of months ago and and that was only because of 
we'll get into it in a minute, what I was kind of starting to see in some of the secondary groups that we're in mm-hmm. um, and what was happening there. So I said, you know, let me just kind of go check out what's going on in the bourbon aisle. And that's where I started to see, you know, the smoke wagon, to your point, Leo, still on the shelf, and uh, the Heaven Hill bottled and bomb, which, you know, people are going, big deal. But, you know, if you look at uh, two years ago, you, could, you couldn't find those. You know, store owners would keep those behind yeah. the counter and not put yeah. them out. It would be in the glass case at some places, you know, and, and marked up quite a bit. And now they're, they're at retail from what I'm seeing. And that's, that's a big indicator for me. And another one is um, I think the Elijah Craig rye has stayed on the shelf pretty much. But the toasted, I'm starting to see more everywhere. And I've traveled a little bit the last couple of months. And I've seen this not only in Texas, but in Missouri and in, in Arizona and other places. Well, to your point, I've also seen um, a lot of just Eliza Craig barrel proof store picks, That's and actually one. just their general barrel proof releases. A, B, and C actually getting to the shelves. Yeah, there's a lot more of those on the market for sure. The Eliza Craig picks. Yeah, you bring up a good point because uh, when I was in Phoenix, I stopped in a, a pretty cool uh, liquor store called Trevor's. I mean, really cool liquor store, and they had the Eliza Craig barrel proof uh, the A. Yeah, uh, one two four. Had yeah, the shelf and, and, I mean, and I'm going, man. We don't get that in Texas till what April or March or April. Mm-hmm. Something yeah, like that, but they already had it out there. You're right. It was on the shelf. Yeah, I mean that's 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 an indication for for me. And then I I'd say like the big thing is I'm starting to see secondary prices falling on stuff. Uh, just in general. Uh, I mean things that like gts it was like a thousand dollars or more in some yeah. cases it's now settling down into like the 800 dollars. Pe- people are laughing at you carter going settling down to 800 yeah I, I know i know that sounds nuts but i mean because retail cool on that off. is what retail oh i mean one a little over 100 bucks yeah. yeah yeah well i think it it depends on like what bottles right so some are maintaining a good premium there is big drops in other stuff and I think it's, you know, a combination of kind of the crazy settling down around the bourbon boom, but it's also like working in finance, like economic situ- situations that are going on is that uh, I mean, you had a lot of artificial money in the market during COVID, you know, coined with inflation that people are going through now. And I, I just think that a lot of people just don't have the money to spend to support that secondary market. That's true. That's a very good point as well. Yeah. Which, you know. For those of us who like those bourbons and are really in it for the long haul, uh, we get to rip the benefits of that here, hopefully fairly mm-hmm. soon. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to go back in the day where you could just walk into a store and then yeah, it's not get like— Get lucky. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I mean— <laughs> Who doesn't like getting lucky? <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like getting lucky? But, like, but seriously, like finding like a 107, just like, hey, it's well, on the shelf. That's super cool. I'm going to buy that, yeah. you know. Like, and, and we'll speak from the— Texas perspective, this market, you know, because we get treated pretty well for for bourbons here. Mm-hmm. To your point, four or five years ago, I mean, during the allocated season, October through beginning of January, maybe a little bit longer, I would find at least a couple of those all the time, uh, you know, 107s or Weller 12s or something like that. Now you don't see them at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, like to me, E.H. Taylor Small Batch for a while was like, oh, that's a good bottle. You know, I get it for like 30 bucks. You know, it was like it was like. Yeah, pretty good bottle, you know, and you never there was a time up until I'm hoping it's coming back. But like, you know, there was a time there for years that you could not find that bottle. Yeah, just sitting there. I remember uh, in 16 and 17 when I started getting into bourbon a a lot more. 
what we're having in, in our blind today, Eagle Rare, I get sub 30. It's like 28 bucks, 29 bucks all the time. Yeah, it's still a great value. It still is. Mm-hmm. I think it's now maybe 34, 35, which is still, it's a 10 year bourbon. So mm-hmm. great value when you can find it. But again, I would run into those multiple times during the course of a year yeah. and have the opportunity to buy one. And now, I mean, we still get opportunities. A lot of times it's through a pick or something like that, but just walking into a store and getting one of those, you just don't see it as much anymore. Yeah. Or yeah. I don't. I don't know if you guys are. No, I mean, there, there was a time that I definitely could find Eagle Rare once in a while just kind of on the shelf, and it's like, all right, that's cool. You know, like, good bottle. I'll, I'll usually get a bottle, you know. And you didn't feel bad, you know, about, yeah. hey, 25 bucks, ah, no big deal. But And, and I know we're not going to get back to the point where, you know, I remember when I first got into bourbon, I got lucky and got a George T. Stag from a store owner. I'm not going to get back there. But I would like to get back to once in a while finding a Stag, Stag Junior, you know, on the shelf or available For, to formerly us. Formerly known as Junior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Formerly Junior, he's graduated. Anybody know why they changed that? What, what was the reason to take Junior off? Did Somebody told me they thought it diminished the brand a little bit, that it brought it, made it seem lesser than. I, I actually kind of like the Stag yeah, Junior. I, so I did I. The junior. You know, because you got GTS, which is going to be – I mean, generally, it's hanging around a 15 to 17-year age statement. Yeah. Um, and the Stag Jr., you know, has all of the stuff that, you know, Buffalo Trace puts out for its standard line is generally around seven years old. You know, so that there you go. There's the Jr. He's the little guy. Made perfect but sense. It, but it's still barrel-proof, um, same mash bill. So I, I preferred the Stag Jr. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they did got away from that. But, hey, you know, whatever. I, I I also don't understand why they they call it well or foolproof, foolproof at at one fourteen. Well, full meaning what? That's it, that's the max they can go. <laughs> is it? I mean, I, they're I, full, buddy. Well, it's full. full. Uh, like, what's entry proof? Maybe it's a reference to the entry proof. It's one fourteen, isn't it? Don't yeah. they enter at one fourteen? So oh, that's their full. Is that what they enter? At? Yeah, I think their barrel entry is one fourteen at at Buffalo Trace. Oh no, they enter in really high. They enter at the like the highest. Max is one twenty five. Yeah, so they they enter in all like I know their standard offerings enter in at one twenty five. No, yeah. I mean GTS also stands for Google that shit, so I can. Look, <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, all right. We goes. got we got someone doing some research here, but I'm yeah. pretty sure. So I'm 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 curious about that. I think they have a high barrel entry proof. Man, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna find out because their white dog is one twenty five. It's. 125 proof? Yeah. Okay, maybe it is. I know Turkey and other places, barrel entry is less than what, you know, the oh, maximum yeah, yeah. can they're, be. They're lower. It looks like it's 125. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what proof. does full proof mean? That's a good question. I, I mean, That's I don't know. Question. It's the fullest of proof. I don't know. <laughs> so, Leo, I was talking to a guy just talking about Weller. I thought it was kind of funny. I mentioned this to Matt. We both got a, kind of a kick out of it. Talking to a guy, a bourbon guy up in Ohio, and he was talking to me just – bourbon stuff. And then all of a sudden he said, Hey man, I, I, I traded seven greens for an orange. Have you ever done that? And I went seven greens for an orange. And he went, yeah. And I went, I have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, you guys don't get greens down there. And I go, I, I've never heard any bourbon called green. What are you talking about? Obviously. Yeah, well, our special reserve. Yeah. Have you heard this before? Single barrel. The greens. So, so I mean, people try and trade up all the time. Usually it's a, uh, you know, exercise and futility, but I mean, I guess if you have a lot of excess, well, special game. reserve, I mean, you got 
with seven bottles at thirty bucks a piece. What are you looking at? You know, two hundred ten bucks retail yeah. to trade up to a Weller single barrel, which is going for what six seven hundred dollars. So, I mean, if you can find somebody that'll do that trade. Well, my, my bigger yeah. thing was the colors that they called that. The nomenclature, like uh, greens so, and, uh, and, and, they, and blue. They, and, and, I, yeah. and I asked him, I go, so, I mean, Weller 12, we always say down here in Texas, Weller 12, or we yeah. say foolproof, or we say 107. They say blacks. They, that's all they say. I say, you don't say Weller black? And he goes, nope. We just go, hey, I got a black in the back if you want one. You have a red, too? Yeah, I'll take a red. <laughs> that could get dicey. I don't have a red, but just got a white in if you want that. And I'm like, really? That's the way they, they mention everything up in Ohio. Hey. I, I mean, I kind of like it. I, I just, finished, I kind of like it, too. I just finished watching The Wire, and it kind of reminds me of, like, you know, standing on a corner, like, hey, I got whites, I got blacks, I yeah. got oranges, greens, <laughs> what you need. Yeah. Uh, I was telling Matt that. I was like, because he, he caught me off guard when he was like, man, I traded these greens. And I was like, traded greens? That's what threw me off. And yeah. he was talking to Weller's. It would have thrown me off as well. I would yeah. never reference Weller, Weller bottles by the, by the color. colors. Yeah. So he said he'll that want- is the chase, chase the rainbow, right? Chase so you the got, rainbow. You got horsey tops. You can chase the rainbow. I wish they'd stop profiling these, these <laughs> Wellers, man. That's what I was going to say. Like the stack junior, like, you know, removing the junior is just, it could have just been like, hey, it's marketing, right? We'll like make sure everybody rushes out to buy the last of the juniors and then they'll want to get the first edition of the stags. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So, uh, but, but seeing those, what, what else you guys got? Any, any other topics that jump out to you? Um, I'll, I'll throw one that, that I had. I, I know I, ju- I just asked you a question. I'm jumping in, but you go ahead. Carter, you got one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that uh, is is the thing with all the non-distilling producers also diluting the market and, and craft, you know, and even it, if they're producing their own craft, I tie them in together. Yeah, I mean, do you think like I mean, are those guys going to stay? Like, no. uh, I I just I feel like there's so much bourbon on the market right now, and. The likelihood I, I, of like, I think they're the DVDs of the uh, of the bourbon world. They're here for a little while and then they're going away. The non distiller, the non distiller producers. producers are the so, craft producers. You know, yeah, I was going to say like that's probably a reason that you know you can find smoke wagon on the shelf or heaven built heaven hill bottle and bonnets is because like you just walk in a store and the shelves are just flooded with you know generic MGP product that's four to six years old and. You if you're lucky, slap a different four to six years. Slap old. a different label on it, you know. Yep. Yeah. And um, talk about price, eighty bucks. Yeah, price premiums, and so I think it's like a, it's like a good strategy if you're trying to get into the distilling game, and so you're getting product on the shelf to try and get some revenue coming back in, but you've also got a still, and you're producing your own mash as a bridge while your stuff is aging. Um, we're definitely going to see a lot of stuff disappear where people are just, uh, as a strategy, you know, just buying MGP, bottling it and throwing it on shelves. I just, I don't see it sticking around if, if that's the, the long haul game. Well, I, I, yeah. the bigger question for me is, you know, there's just tons of them. And to your point of how long are they going to stick around is the volume versus the QPR, right? The quality per price. Mm-hmm. How, I'm not paying 80 bucks for a four-year-old bourbon, from some of these players, and I get, you know, hey, support your local guys, support the little guys. I get all that, but 
financially, it's got to make sense. I'm just not going to dump money to dump money. I mean, I can go get rare breed for 45 bucks still. Yeah. That's six to nine year old bourbon. Why would I ever pay 80 bucks for a four year old bourbon? Well, that, I would say, like, I wouldn't necessarily call it supporting the little guy if they're not using it as a means to establish their own product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just kind of like a cash grab. And yeah. Then, and then you got to think about, you know, the people that are doing that. You know who is blending it, or who is picking out the single barrels, and you know what kind of trust can you put in the selection process of the product that you're buying at a premium for a younger age product as well? Yeah, I, I, I guess it's just the market is so diluted with like so many different brand names that I'm totally unfamiliar with these mm-hmm. days. I mean, honestly, like if I were to go to the liquor store, I could identify, I don't know, half of them. I mean, yeah. so, you know, some of the, the brands on there, I don't even know what the heck they are. Like, like, it, unless it says it's like comes from Indiana, which some of them do, but, mm-hmm. uh, but like, I, I really have no idea. And they're new, like distillers for a while that were just popping up all the time there. And, and to Rob's point, they're trying to make like, you know, 60 70 80 bucks on a young whiskey i i mean maybe that works if there's just so much craziness going on in the market but i think things are settling down and i don't know where those guys are going to be yeah well and, and you know i will kind of call it right both sides of the fence a little bit i'll defend non-distilling producers a little bit uh, when they do something different to the whiskey you know and, and some of the reasons we like smoke wagon or uh uh, West, uh, high think, West, high West. Yeah. Uh, even, uh, Whittle Jane, you know, they would get some yeah. juice from MGP, but they would do some cool stuff to it, make it unique, make it their own. Mm-hmm. And, and I was okay with that. Uh, the only other thing I would add to that is age. You know, we have a, a friend, Christopher Hart, who has done some non-distilling producing mm-hmm. stuff, but it's, you know, 14, 15-year-old uh, bourbons yeah, or six, eight-year-old rise, still at a pretty good price, you know, for what you're getting there. Those are some exceptions that I would say. Yeah, they're looking at finishing some of the rise as well. I think, like, you mentioned High West, so that's a – they have transitioned into using their own dis- distillate. And then if you think about, like, some other brand, like Smooth Ambler. Yeah. yeah right? Like, not big in, as a topic of conversation for what we were just discussing. They started out with – a lot of MGP product, a lot older. So you saw higher age statements um, as they had that inventory on hand, but they've also transitioned into their own distillate as well. Or are they making their own? Because I knew that they were, uh, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. You're, you're saying smooth ambler. I'm thinking of old scout. They're known for uh, same, going out and finding yeah, yeah. barrels that they like and then bottling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I do. I did know about the High West thing, and I, I I think that this is the first year that they're doing it. Like I think this year is the year that they well, they've, they've been blending in their own distillate. Yeah. This may be the first year that they've gone straight to their stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and it's going to change. I mean, no, there's no way around it. I mean, if it's going to, hopefully, it's better. Uh, but it is going to change the product. You know, change mm-hmm. distilleries. I mean, it's going to change the product. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about uh, the financial side of it, and, and a lot of these bigger producers like Buffalo Trace and, and, and other big producers have 
expanded production and, and are, you know, somewhat yeah. playing a, I don't want to call it a risk, but taking a chance that the market's going to stay here for long enough that when they build and produce this bourbon and let it sit for a while, you know, well, people are still drinking the brown juice. Yeah. I mean, that that's one a very valid point, right? Is, is the demand going to be there once their expansion is complete because they're, they're going, you know, <laughs> but they're pushing all the chips to the center of the table. Yeah. Another way to look at it is just like economies of scale, right? So if you look at people that are just trying to get started up and they're putting out, you know, source product, but they're still trying to make their own distillate and barrel it and waiting for it to age is you got like Buffalo trace where they, they can, keep the values down because of the economies of scale and having so much product on hand. And then even if, you know, the demand drops long term, you know, they may be able to put out so much juice that everybody else goes by the wayside and they could be like the last player in town, right? Where they're like, Hey, my, my cost per bottle is so low. I can keep the value down and the quality is so much higher because I have all the stock aging as well. Yeah. I mean, it, for sure. And I think this has happened throughout history in different markets. I mean, the market gets crazy and gets wild. Mm-hmm. Lots of new players enter in. As as trending like with business, things expand, things contract. Yeah. The stronger people who enter into the business, you know, that have a good product that uh, that is going to stand the test of time, they won't they won't fail. They'll they'll keep their business, mm-hmm. but like a lot of the guys just trying to jump in and get a quick buck, I mean, they're going to you yeah, know they're going to fall off. Say, uh, saying that, it's funny. It's like you think about like the older overhaul. It's like one of the things that some of the companies have done, you know, in the last five, ten years is they, they'll revive an old distillery, bring back the name, yeah. the story, but it's a completely different product. Yeah. Think about like maybe 20, 30 years from now, there's going to be somebody like opens up a business and revives the brand from like this MGC source, MGP Source, Source product. product, yeah. That would be fun. It's just funny to think about. I think oh, yeah. about Peerless being one like that. Correct, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, talking about Weller, I do want to mention, you bring up a very good point, Leo. For me, I've always appreciated Weller not getting into the, the hype game, if you will. I mean, from their their prices have stayed the same from, you know, I don't know if you want to call it their lower level, but, you know, their $30, $40, $50 bottles when we talk about uh, Eagle Rare and each Taylor small batch and things like that really haven't, you know, they could put those things retail a hundred bucks each and they'd still fly off the shelf and they haven't done that. And on their higher end bottles, uh, they've kept those prices, you know, yeah, we like just talked about, yeah, everything's yeah. a little over a hundred bucks. If you can get it at retail. Um, my question is, do they have anything that's just played to the taterism that we see? I mean, I think about, you know, like wild Turkey with, you know, the, the Rick house release at 250 bucks. I, mean, I would say it's like the, what you're talking about, the green versus orange, is that from a marketing perspective, they definitely played to the the boom and all the different just color labels that they have, right? So well, like, yeah. Got, hey, getting a bigger portfolio of yeah. some different ty- – I'm good with that. But their price point, 50 60 yeah, bucks yeah. still a bottle, where you go, Wild Turkey's done the same thing, and the Rickhouse is $250 yeah, a bottle. that's what so. I was going to say. Yeah, they and played. like the traditions was like four hundred bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. Master's Keep is two hundred bucks a bottle now. Know. It used to be about one thirty. Now it's up to around two hundred. Yeah, I mean, Turkey's kind of leaned in on the taterism a little bit more. Uh, for Jim sure. Beam's come out with some things that are you know younger whiskeys that they're around two hundred dollars a bottle because it's a you know 
special yeah, release. Yeah, the hardened stuff. Yeah, the hardened stuff. The one of them was like super, like two years old, right? Yeah, yeah. two hundred bucks. Like, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could see what they were doing to like have different ends of the spectrum age wise. Like, hey, here's a really young one. Here's a really uh, much older one as part of like a similar release. But the pricing point, like maybe charge a premium for packaging, you know, and put it at yeah. 50, 60 bucks. But uh, yeah, I'm not getting anywhere close to that two-year-old whiskey for north of a hundred. I mean, two-year-old, can you imagine two-year-old whiskey for over a hundred? I bet they couldn't keep it on the shelf. Oh gosh. Yeah. Crazy. Here, here's a brand from Jim Beam that I think flies way under the radar and has for as long as I've been in the whiskey game. Uh, when they had the picks back, you know, several years ago, you get 14, 15 year old picks, the Knob Creek line. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's still that. great value. You can get the nine year, 100 proof for still around 38 bucks. Yeah, that's pretty good. 12 I mean, years around 60 bucks. Yeah, that's that's still pretty good. I, 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 Knob Creek's kind of a go to for me. Like, just if yeah. I just want to grab a bottle that I know is always going to be there, uh, and, to have a nine-year age statement, you know, for that price point, I and mean, the proof, yeah, and the proof. I mean, it's that's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good grab. It's, yeah. it's really good. But but anyway, okay. What do you say we uh, dive into the noses on this while we I'm keep ready. talking? All right. Guess we could have been doing that. Mm. It is a great smell. That's what she said. Mm. Little baking spices. Definitely that cherry. I mean, that cherry is amazing. Hmm. Getting kind of like a lighter nose on B. Ooh, yeah, too. I mean, it doesn't have the ethanol on it like A does. doesn't have that bite. Ooh. All right. I know who my nose contenders are. Well, all of them are contenders. We all nose day first, but it's definitely the strongest. See, it's sweet, though. Like, yeah. Like that, that, it's like very like Candy, sugary like a, sweet. Yeah. yeah, Like a light citrus as well. Mm-hmm. That's an oddball. She's kind of like a like an oddball. A now is kind of perfumey a little bit to me too. It is. I wish my wife would wear this perfume. <laughs> Be nosing her everywhere you went. Ah, ah let me get a smell. <laughs> okay, favorite nose? I think A for me still. Uh C is nice though. C's so sweet. I think I'm gonna say C on the second pass. I was getting a lot more baking spices on A initially. It's probably just the the fresh nose. And yeah. now it's um really perfumey, like you said. I mean still a little bit. I'm picking it up now. So it's funny because uh Matt, you you're going C favorite nose, Leo A for you, Matt. I'm gonna go B. I like B. Yeah. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. All right, so very well, that, much a split that, decision. Now going back, I'm picking up some of the more like it's more full bodied on A. Yeah. See, to me, B doesn't have that big punch up front, but to me, it has some depth, and you know, I like the the fullness, the roundness of it, and it's just kind of hitting with me. All of them are kind of getting, and I mean, you can get like a you, you get palate fatigue, you get nose fatigue, nose yeah. fatigue as well. But uh, I, I'd say that. A is kind of rounding out a little bit, and I like it as it's rounded out. Um, C is really strong. B is actually really strong, too, um, but I, I, I still going to go with A. I would go A, C, B in order. Me, too. A, 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 C, B now would be mine. 
I'm going to go BAC. BAC? Yeah, I got your back. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, What, alcohol content? Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) I'm going to go TCB, taking care of business. Yeah. All right, so we're going to taste them or what? No, no, no. We're not tasting today. Oh, we're just in, uh, those winners. Okay, taste them at, at, at will. Okay, that's the next episode. Okay, next cool. Cast. Let's uh, keep uh, keep them hanging. Yeah, let's keep <clears throat> t- talking about. Uh, tell me what you was. Was there any indication, Leo? You go every year, and for folks who are listening to this that don't know, Specs is a huge uh, box store in the state of Texas, and they may be in a few other states now. I don't know, but they're definitely dominant in the state of texas Mm -hmm. and uh here in houston and i think they do it in in san antonio and and uh they may do it in the bigger markets like el paso and dallas they do their drop every year and over the last few years here in houston it has gotten ridiculous it has gotten out of control with people waiting in line for for days and and, you know people might have thought i was going to say hours but no it's days Days. they camp out with tents uh this year was no exception to that uh, happening, what was a little surprise to me from what I heard, and you went so you can mm-hmm. tell me, was the bottles that were available that they waited out for. It wasn't quite as uh, the higher-end allocated bottles that we'd seen in the past is what I heard. I mean, they, they still had higher-end allocated stuff. and Did they have some foolproofs from each tailor? Did they have some uh, yeah. some mm-hmm. BTAC stuff? I mean, there, there's people, you know, like, that first wave of people, you know, so if you think about like uh, logistically the way they have it set up is you kind of like snake around the store in line. Everybody goes through, you pick which products you want. The beginning of that all the way to the end is going to be mostly some stuff, shelf stuff like Stag Jr., mostly picks. And then when you get to the the last little station, one of the last couple stations, Uh, there's just like a table with a bunch of allocated product on it, right? And so there was people that came out with BTAC, E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof, Four Roses uh, Limited Edition, you know, your Russell stuff. And it was like you could grab one thing from that table, the high-end table, right? And so um, there's people that definitely came out with that stuff. And in terms of – Was there as much of it as you've seen in years past? I mean, I really didn't pay attention to is there much of it. You know, you talk about you know people camping out days in advance. I'm, I'm not the type. I'm not going to do that. Like situationally, you know, um, I wouldn't want to put up with the hell I was going to have to pay when I came home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I just wouldn't do it anyway. Like if I was just like a single guy, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go multiple days in advance. Well, and, and my thing is, you know. I mean, there's a couple ways you can look at it. One, you want a really good bourbon to drink, or two, you want a really good bourbon to flip. I'm not a flipper, so I, I wouldn't do it for that reason. Maybe to drink it, to have a cool bottle that's you know just very hard to find. But I, I don't think there's anything worth my time of uh, three, four days to camp in line on the hopes that you might get something, depending on where you are in line. Yeah, I I'm would just agree. Not do it. I would agree. Um, and in terms of like the craze, like I would say, like it peaked last year. This year, there was a lot less people there for when the doors opened up. It was just that there was a lot more people camping out well in advance this most recent year. Yeah. So it was kind of like two different aspects. You know, I think last year, you know, two years ago, we all got there. 
you know, around a similar point of time. Four yeah. in the morning. Um, yeah, yeah, the day of, right? Yeah. That's- we, we all got there about a similar point in time. Um, I mean, I got there like maybe 5.30 this year, and I was probably a couple hundred people ahead of where we were two years ago. Yeah, uh, I do, yeah. I do want to say that, you know, we're talking about, you know, not this year, but the year previous, I did go. That was the first one I've ever went to. Mm-hmm. And I was reluctant to go. Uh, but a good buddy of mine told me how he had went the previous year, so three years ago. Yeah. And got there, I don't know, 12, 1230. And there was no line. And he just walked in, Carter. Yeah. And yeah. got like Stag Junior. Well, and 12, got, well, 12, Eagle. Got, you know, they had got, like a. You know, four Six. is a single barrel pit. Yeah. Yeah. Got all these great bottles. So you were like, and rightfully so, hey, Rob, if we get in line early, man, who knows what we're going to get? And I was like, <laughs> sweet. Okay. Well, let's, I don't really want to do it, but if you got that at open at 1230, one o'clock, let's go. Oh, yeah. And we were six blocks deep. <laughs> hey, there's a guy that I'm not going to name on the show. I, I saw him go through the line uh, multiple times. Oh. And then he got his wife to go through the line. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know who you're talking about. I think yeah. I might. Yeah, yeah. But you, we'll, we'll talk off air. Would, okay. would, wouldn't be me. Yeah. yeah. I can tell you that much. When I saw that, I was like, and then, then I saw posts like within 30 minutes. I was like, oh, oh I, I have a good guess. I think, know, uh, I think I have a good guess, but we'll talk later. Yeah. Uh, but my point was is that, <laughs> you know, I was expecting to, to get in there being in line. Maybe, you know, the store opens at 10. I thought, well, we'd be in well before noon. We were so long on that line. We didn't get in until after 1 o'clock. You remember that? Oh, yeah. I mean, we were there, literally there, like, all morning. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, two years ago was nuts. This most recent year was nothing compared to that. We walked through the store. What did I buy? One or two things, maybe. I bought a store pick, Blanton's, and Mm -hmm. the uh, kosher, the weeded. Yeah. And that's all I bought. Uh, everything else, it was just like, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks. You know, it was an old Forrester pick or this. I, I have enough of those. I don't need yeah. to just buy stuff to buy stuff because I got in line. They had a ton of no thanks stuff again this year. Did they really? Yeah. Did they? Yeah, I mean, you think like what we were talking about earlier about, you know, some of the sore stuff that yeah. is picks, you know? So I, I was just wondering is, is where it went from two years ago, the hype, and, and not having stuff that, you know, I wanted getting through there at the point that I did to this year. Did anybody come in late this year? I mean, at 12, 31 o'clock, was the line gone? When you talk about it wasn't mm-hmm. as long? Well, we had, uh, uh, we know somebody who went uh, at uh, around noon and still got some pretty good stuff. Really? Yeah. See, I, I just can't get lucky with my timing, I guess. This year might have been the year yeah. to do that again. Hmm. But I think that's another indication that, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that is or not, that the bourbon is kind of – is there anything you take from those kind of drops that tells you bourbon is on the downward I tick? do think that the market's softening, and I think the craziness is softening. You're always going to have the nuts that camp out. Like, you're always going to have those people. But, yeah. like, I mean, overall volume of the line, right? Like, to me, this year, like, I didn't go this year, but, like, I've heard from multiple people, it wasn't as bad. Like, yeah. Just it wasn't. Yeah, it was not as bad, you know. And talking about like some of the nut stuff is, I was talking to Rob about this Facebook group called Tater Tales that'll kind of like make fun of some of the crazy yeah. people, um, you know. And recent post on there, there's a guy that camped out 
days in advance in Alaska for a drop in negative 40 degree weather oh to get a God. couple of Blantons. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. yeah to get a couple of Blantons. And so you just kind of like, you know, there's still going to be the outliers, like my, Matt said, that are going to, you know, go full tilt to get a bottle or two. Yeah. Um, you know, when I look at those drops, I don't really walk away from it with my satisfaction level being what did I get and what I, what did I not get? Like, you know, part of going for me and, you know, my cutoff is just going like super early in the morning, right? Like not the night before um, is part of the experience of hanging out with folks in line, you know, sharing pours. I always bring a cigar to have while we're waiting on the, you know, the drop to start. And uh, if I get one or two bottles that, you know, I'll enjoy, then, I mean, it's more than worth it for me. Um in comparison to some of the other stuff, you like you talk about like having more success going into stores now with product that's on the shelf is you know always trying to like look at things from two sides of the spectrum. It's like you know people that in the tater tails thing like there's some like really funny stuff on there, but it's also like you know this viewpoint of like shaming people or looking down on people for like the choices that they make. And I like an easy one is, is like folks that'll go to two or three liquor stores a week throughout the year. Right. And, and then saying like, Oh, well I would never go to a drop. That's not worth my, my time is worth so much more than that. I'm just like, all right, well, what are we talking about? You know? Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I'd say like, um, you know, for me, what, I don't know if this can. Some people aren't going to like this this type of comment. I'll just buy something on secondary. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, like if I just want something, like to your point, I think when we went that year of the drop, I got a little irritated that on that year just because it took so long to progress to the store. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that was annoying, you know. Yeah. If I, if I would have been out of there by, like, noon or even before noon, like 11 or something like that. I mean, that's definitely part of it, yeah. Well, we had wives. We set expectations that, hey, we're going to go early. We'll be back early. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. shit. I mean, you know, because you have kids, Leo. Uh, like, you got responsibilities there. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just drop your shit and, you know, just be like. Well, then, then you and I hit that line. He's like, okay, well, we've been here this long. Do we just bail? Yeah. And we are like, well. Shit, we've been here this long. We got to stay in line and get something. Yeah, and I mean, it felt like the line wasn't moving for the first two hours it was open. Yeah, it felt like it took forever. And uh, yeah, I, I, that I was mean, frustrating. Took yeah. away from the enjoyment. But I agree with you. Yeah, I absolutely loved the uh, because you know if you asked me, I'd have been fine leaving when because I got frustrated just standing there. But from four a.m. to ten a.m. when the store opened and everybody you know got in their position. Yeah. Yeah. Walking around, having a pour, having a cigar, seeing some people, the camaraderie of it. Yeah, I definitely missed I having, having your coffee last year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had a big, ther- had a big thermos I took it there. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, but that, that, that part I like. Which brings me to a question or, you know, a statement I'll make. Uh, what I don't see anymore, when I first got into bourbon, you know, in 2016, one Don't of the fun, one of the, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm not going uh, to strap on the feedback here. One of the fun things I enjoyed was the bottle shares. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think we did those because there were so many of us, you know, getting into the bourbon world and the mm-hmm. craze that some of us were finding things that now most of us have. And so it was cool to share, hey, you know, I got this and you haven't had it yet or this yeah. year's George T. Stagg or whatever it might be. And we would get together and do those bourbon shares. And I, I miss that. I mean, we don't do it anymore. Yeah, and I, so think do it's, I. I think it's partly due to uh, everybody wants to, when you go to those, you feel like maybe I'm wrong. People feel like they got to bring something that's unique or different yeah. or high end, and everybody has so much stuff. It's hard to instead of just saying, "Let's so, just bring a couple of fun <clears throat> bottles and have a cigar." So I was thinking about that recently, and uh, the the PG version of it is the elephant trunk, right? So everybody wants to bring the elephant trunk, or some people do, right? They feel like their value is going to be judged by how rare and or expensive the bottle that they bring to a share is and do other people have it, right? And so, you know, there's people in Houston that will specifically buy a bottle that to bring to a share as a status symbol. It's the elephant trunk, right? And It's called me. Yeah. It's called, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called the I, Hound Dog. I, I, I come in with the uh, the the gold vein Weller 107, and I'm just like oh, just laying on the table. Just Fresh like, crack. Yeah. Too, too many too many visual images going on. I got elephant trunk. Got, <laughs> yeah, gold gold veins. Veins. got the elephant <laughs> trunk with gold it veins. <laughs> it's like, damn, who is that guy? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'll yeah, I agree your concentration. With you. Like what Matt said earlier. Uh, just to revisit that about like some people might have a problem with it, saying like I'll just buy secondary. I don't think that a lot of people would have a problem with that. I think that a lot of people will agree with that. But that's also looking at it from your perspective, right? Where people like, you know, you, me, other folks may have the opportunity to say, Yep. Hey, I'd rather spend a couple hundred bucks to just get this bottle now versus hunting. But there may be some people that are, you know, we earlier we talked about new entries into the market. Maybe you're young, you're 21, you're 22 years old. You know, you just got out of college, and those people are going to be the ones that are going to camp out, right? Because they don't have you know the money to just throw at. Oh secondary. yeah, sure. And that's also is just like kind of looking at it from both sides. Is you know the big thing for me is just like for people to be not so quick to make judgment on other people's choices. Um, without knowing what's going on, you know? Yeah, I, I think that, like, a lot of people think, like, oh, you just, you know, like, buying stuff on secondary, you're just yeah. some rich asshole that, you know, like, oh, whatever, didn't get, didn't give a crap, you know? Which may not be true as well, right? It's well, not, it's but, not but necessarily I, true, but, like, you have to think about your... I'm going to connect your two stories, you know, to your point, if I want something, you're just going to buy it on secondary. Yeah. And you say that because you go, what's it going to cost me to drive around... For a year, yeah. to your point, you made the note of the guy who twice a week he's in the same liquor store or multiple liquor stores yeah, yeah. checking for the course of a year. What is that time and gas and what what has yeah, he yeah, spent yeah. that if you just go, I'm going to spend $300 on a bottle oh, I'm looking for? So much for, easier. So, so much, much easier. easier. Yeah. So you can do it either way. Maybe and, he will have the time. If you yeah. Do the math. That Absolutely. Way. Now, depending on what his job is, maybe he's out and about and he it's just convenient. Had, it's convenient. He says, Hey, I'm just gonna take my time. I have the ability to check and look, and when I hit yeah. one, I'll hit one. Yeah. You don't have that time. No. So you go, I'm gonna spend it. Well, also, so you know both you, are fair. You have to come from my perspective. You know, I mean, y'all have been to my house before. You've seen my like, I have not. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, but but you've seen like the kind of the whiskey collection. I'm not like bragging on it. It's just like I've been in doing this mm-hmm. for a while, so I've got a bunch of bottles. I, I'm not like out yeah, there like oh man, I need a stag and I need or a stag junior and a, a, a eagle rare and I needed this and I needed that. I got all that. Yeah, you know, it's so like as we I, like to say in Alabama, the cupboard's full. The cupboard's full. The cupboard's yeah. full. I, I mean, the stuff that I'm buying on secondary is like a special bottle. I always do this. I think I've told you this, and I may have yeah. mentioned this to you. I buy a couple of really high end uh, bottles on secondary once or twice a year, just as a reward to myself, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah, I and that's it. You know, like but I'll buy it, like like lower level stuff here and there. Some of the stuff you can't get retail, like the Dusties, right? Oh yeah, like I, you I, have to buy secondary if you want to buy it. Yeah, and, and I've gotten point. into Dusties pretty pretty big. So like you anything know. from 1980. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm really excited about that pour. You know, like uh, yeah, I did. Uh, Marty McFly over here. Re- re- <laughs> recently acquire a uh, old overhauled rye from uh, 1980. So I'm like, I'm pretty ex- excited about that. Okay, I've tasted through all three, and I'm going to tell you my opinion. Not not one of them is bad. All are delicious for I different agree. reasons. Yeah, I actually agree. And honestly, B is the biggest surprise of the bunch when you taste through them. Yeah, tell me this: it's it's a ten year bourbon. Are they? How does that work? Some are single barrels because I heard that they're on this line. They just dump and then they bottle. So you're getting some single barrels, some not. What? what I don't know how this works. If you, I think if you ask Wade. The way that it works, like, I, I think sometimes, like, in a bottle you might pick up might accidentally be a, a single like barrel. Like the majority single barrel, yeah. That's what I was thinking, Leo, mm-hmm. that the majority are single barrel. It's when you get to the end of that barrel and they dump in the next one, now you have a little blend and, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I was wondering, because Eagle Rare, but, you know. It just seems like it would be much more complicated to do it that way, like one barrel at a time versus just vatting a yeah, a ton of it, you know. Is that what they're doing then? Are they vatting 50 barrels and then dumping it? I mean, it used to be a single barrel product, right? And I think they removed that from the bottle. And based on what I've heard, it's similar to what you're saying, Rob, is where they're just like dumping one barrel at a time. It's kind of what I heard. And then I there's didn't... there's some, some runoff there from one barrel to the next where it's not going to be like a true single barrel. That's kind of what I heard. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, also, fun fact was confirmed. Uh, Eagle Rare is all aged on the first floor of the Rick House. Oh, is it really? I did yeah. not know that. Did you yeah. know that, Leo? Mm-mm. I didn't either. Yeah. So I've always, I always thought that um, uh, Eagle Rare kind of has like a unique kind of quality to it, similar to like what uh, um, I, I guess the lower, uh, like it kind of goes down to proofing down, right? Like if it's on a uh, like lower in the risk uh, rickhouse, you have you're having to add less water. Mm-hmm. If you're higher in the rickhouse, you're having to add more water to proof it down. So with Eagle Rare, you're getting less water okay. added to it, which I always thought it like imparted a better flavor to mm-hmm. the to the whiskey. I'll tell you, the flavors on these are awesome. I, I'm enjoying all three of them. Not one of them. Yeah, is me off-put. too. I've had some Eagle Rare picks that are. A little off-putting that I go, eh, not my favorites, kind of like Blanton's. But uh, these three that we have here today, and let's talk about what they are. There are Ryan's, two Ryan's liquor picks, uh, one that we all participated in here recently that just came out a couple months ago, and then one from, what was it, last year or a year before, a couple years ago? 
Matt, mm-hmm. you brought that one? Yep. And then another liquor store here in town that, that we like, uh, mm-hmm. Longhorn Liquor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mike Williams and, and his pick. from That's got to be three years ago. Three well, or the, four years ago, yeah. something like that. The three that we poured, we got the Ryan's Longhorn and the Twin. Yeah, we probably need to have yeah. those on the table. Oh, okay. So we did. Sorry, I just bumped my Watch head. Watch yourself. Yeah. Uh, you want to grab those bottles? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll do that. Y'all keep talking. We can talk while you're gone? Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess. Okay, so we're, we're kind of talking about picks. And, you know, bourbon talk with this episode, we're talking about kind of where the bourbon world is. To me, another indication that we're kind of on this downward kind of slide in bourbon is I have not seen pick releases in the last year and a half like we were for the longest time. And, and again, I, I know a lot of that could be the recovery from COVID or getting back on track or I don't know what the reason is, but I'm saying that could be part of it. Um, but it used to be, you know, we're in Houston market, big market, a lot yeah. of liquor stores. Used to be you would hear every couple of months of somebody releasing a Four Roses or an Elijah Craig or a Russell's Reserve. I mean, I haven't seen a Russell's Reserve pick in the market for three years, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, Russell's has been pretty dry for a while now. Um, even the picks that they are doing – you know, they were limiting to sending out samples instead of going to the distillery. I think, like, you think about specs, like, one of the things that they've done is they've adjusted from releasing picks throughout the year to holding them for the drop. So, like, for example, they had 10 private barrels of Four Roses. Oh, wow. Release at the drop, right? And so if you think about, it, like, they could have released one almost every month throughout yeah. the year versus holding them. it for the drop. And you still see some of like the under the radar stuff, like Total Wine, um, or some of the other stores like Twin Twin Liquors or Goody Goody. You know they'll release stuff, and it'll just sell out very quickly, right? Right. Depending on what it is, uh, Four Roses for sure, Weller Full Proof. So I've seen picks, you know, throughout the year. Longhorn just had a Weller drop where they dropped a Full Proof, an Eagle Rare. Um, and some other picks as well. So I, I guess I, I'm just saying I don't see them. I don't yeah. see the you know on the Facebook groups and th- things as much as I used to. Where it would be like you know, hey, next Saturday we're dropping you know a pick from Eagle Rare and a pick from Elijah Craig or something like yeah. that. You'd see that at a lot of liquor stores. You'd be like, man, I'm gonna go get in line and see if I can get so one. I think, like I don't see that a lot as well. It does happen, right? And I think that may be like one of two things, right? First thing would be is that. Kind of the fatigue for us when you talked about earlier, like, hey, when I look walk into a liquor store, I'm not going to the bourbon aisle. I'm going to go check out tequila. I'm going to check out rum. And it may be a similar thing. Like when you do have downtime, you know, instead of going to HBS and looking through drops, maybe you're listening to, you know, Joe Rogan do his latest podcast. Who doesn't need my plug? Or, or food, wine, yeah. and whiskey. Um, or food, wine, and whiskey. Yeah. yeah. yeah food, wine, and whiskey. Yeah, yeah. That would be a good plug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, that, so like, that's the first thing is just kind of like the fatigue of what our attention is focused on. And then the second thing would be just the sheer amount of volume that's in some of these groups now. Right. So like, if you look at when we got into HBS a couple of years ago, there was like, like I remember they were like, Hey, we hit our 5,000th member today. Right. And now there's almost 20,000 people in HBS. Is it almost 20? I thought it was a little over 50. So, Dang, if, I'm so look if you look up. at, so if you look at like just the sheer volume of post. You know, um, the stuff that's going to come up on our feed may not be the drop, but it may be 
one of a hundred posts that day, if that makes sense. A- HBS did release a pick this Saturday, this past Saturday, yesterday. What, what was that? A blue Note. Blue Note. Blue Note. Blue Note. Yeah. yeah. That's one I've seen some picks of. I've never even tried that bourbon. <laughs> yeah, I think I it, was, sh- it was done by the Bourbon Babes. Yeah, uh, it sure was. Uh, Do you see how many, how many people we have? It's like almost 16,000. 16, yeah. Yeah, that's still a lot, though. I mean, like, when I joined, it was well under 5,000. Yeah. yeah. And and it it's tripled in a few years, uh, which, is, which is good. And honestly, you know, I'd see this. I, I think the pit craze has kind of fallen off. A little I bit. Too. You know, I, people I, were nuts about picks. Now, Four Roses, I think I'm going to put in a di- different bucket because their picks are so unique because of different recipes you and all that kind of thing. But I would say the picks in general, man, that's falling off big time. And, and I would say if the picks were still as abundant as they were, I'd probably still be more hyped than I am with bourbon because I really enjoyed the picks. Especially Four Roses picks. I mean, I love when you can get one of the Four Roses yeah. picks or a Russell's Reserve pick, or you know. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you look at, if you use Four Roses as an example, they're allocating more product to the private selection program than they ever have before. So that the increase in demand may mean that you know there's more private selections across the United States. Like they do more barrels through that program. But maybe it's more spread out because the demand is, and that might be, be part of something that you're seeing. You know, yeah. I mean, we're talking about Ryan's Liquor, where we enjoy picking for uh, on occasion, and we big shout out to Bo for letting us do that, and Ann for letting us do that. But you know, year after year, or for I don't know, three, four, five years in a row, he was getting a mm-hmm. Four Roses pick, and that was one we could always kind of, you know, I don't want to say count on, but had a good chance of of getting a bottle or participating in. And uh, he didn't get one this last year, and I don't know that he's going to have one this next year. In, last uh, two years, I don't think it was. You know, like I said, I mean, Four Roses has a lot more barrels in, so I, I think he could have easily has had one the last two years. Yeah, but for whatever reason, we won't get into that uh, unless you want to. <laughs> no, I'm good. Uh, yeah, he he hasn't no, had one, and so that that's been a, a slight disappointment for me because I've always enjoyed the. Uh, the Four Roses picks, and he had them there for, you know, I don't know, what, four or five years in a row? You guys were... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was just kind of... Playing Russell's. To, he was doing Russell's there for Russell's. Russell's well. uh, yeah. Makers. Makers but, are great. Oh, man, we didn't do a Makers this past year, which yeah. is such a disappointment. Yeah, that's on my yeah. bucket list. Ru- Russell's and Makers are on my bucket list for Russell's sure. Russell's on mine. Makers, I've, I've done, Leo. I mean, I don't know how you haven't. Good job. <laughs> God, what a flex! Uh, but, I'm only let's get tables. I'm only I'm yeah. used to <laughs> I'm only kidding because this guy's the king of four roses. Hey, I'll, crack t- I'll tell you what, I mean, you guy. know, we went up to uh, do picks. Uh, it was in the winter time. Remember, it was uh, yeah. w- 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 November or December. Yeah, you, or something you guys like went that? after we went on ours in in August. Yeah, so well, th- it th- coincided with Raj Bakta's barrel purchasing schedule. Yeah. Well, yeah, we wanted to make sure he was there, <laughs> yeah. uh, but. Uh, but but anyway, like when we went and did those picks, and we did, we actually did a great. Like I'm not. It Stellum was from mm-hmm. where? Like was it MGP or was mm-hmm. it uh, Kentucky sourced? Oh, that one was uh, Kentucky. It was amazing. No, the barrel was Kentucky. The the Stellum barrel was, was MGP. Okay, yeah. that MGP Stellum that we picked. Yeah. 
was amazing. It was really good. They had a great value, too. Great price point, yeah. everything. Like, that was, to me, like, one yeah, of the... Was the Cherry Cola sticker? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just kind of move on from that. But uh, but but anyway, I what I'll say about that pick is it was really good, really good price, and it's easy to pick. I don't know. I mean... Yes, we're drinking Eagle Rare. Yeah. It's e- easy to pick an Eagle Rare. They all taste pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's harder to pick an MGP, like just source barrel and be like, okay, I want that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. You you mentioned your bucket list is uh, Maker's Mark, Russell's. Russell's. Yeah. I mean, those are probably like the top two ones that I haven't done. I haven't, I mean, I've picked Buffalo Trace before, but not at the distillery. Um, I haven't picked Heaven Hill, but like if, if they're like, all right, you can go to Kentucky, you can pick from two places that you haven't picked from before. Out of the handful that I haven't done, it would be Russell's and Maker's Mark would be my top two. Matt, what what do you want to pick that you haven't picked? <clears throat> Russell's. Yeah. I haven't picked Russell's. Hey, and you guys are saying Russell's. I'll do anything wild turkey. I don't care. Yeah, get up in that Rick house. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, your options are Kentucky Spirit or Russell's, yeah, right? right? And I'm I'm fine with either one. Yeah. I mean, I would prefer Russell's just because I like the I 110 mean, proof point on that better than the... Both of the picking experiences would be the exact same. It would just be how much different. they proof it down. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Bottle it. yeah. So I, I'm fine with either one of those. But yeah, to your point, Wild Turkey is absolutely on my list that I want to go. And I would love to be able to do a pick there while Jimmy's still alive. And yeah, he, same he, makes, he makes a little... Hey, how you guys doing? You know, little little show there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, if, so if anybody from Campari is watching or listening, yeah, yeah, yeah please hook us, us up with that. Uh, uh, hey, uh, also, you know, <laughs> if uh, Julian Van Winkle's doing picks, oh, still, yeah. you know, like I, I, I shout out to that. I'd like to like go with him and you know pick from his barrels. Yeah, get a Julian's Winkle. been asking to come on. I told him we would try to make some time for him. I don't know when, but we try to see if we <laughs> you get try him and wedge him in there somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I told yeah. me. Give me a few months to work it out. Oh my God. But uh, my, my other place I would love to do a pick um, is uh, Jack Daniels. Oh, same. Kentucky. Actually, that, that that would be on my list. Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, whether it's picking a rye or a single barrel, barrel strength or a barrel proof, but uh, Jack Daniels going over there to Lynchburg, Tennessee, and, and uh, Dry County with a distillery in it and uh, picking some bourbon would be fun there. Yeah, I've heard that's a blast. Yeah, you know, and and some of their single barrel bourbons, they're doing rise now as well. So yeah, like, you know, a lot of people say, um, if you think about uh, Old Forester, they say they don't want to do a single rye br- program for single barrels because there's less variation from barrel to barrel with rye than there is with bourbon. Uh, but Jack Daniels is doing that now, and uh, I think if I had to choose, like. Bourbon versus rye. I, I might prefer to do a rye pick at Jack Daniels, and I've heard that it's just an absolute blast going out there. Well, their rye is amazing. I mean, in general, I would say yeah. Brown Foreman. You know, everybody's got their opinion about Brown Foreman uh, bourbon, but but rye. I think most people can agree that they do a damn good job. Oh with yeah, that rye. for sure. Yeah, Old, Old Forester's on my list. But if I were going to go back to uh, to uh, Kentucky and pick another place that I'd really like to pick. It would be a Knob Creek from Jim Jim Beam. I mean, oh just yeah, I've old, never done kind, that pick either. It's an old distillery. It's you know one of the legacy distilleries, and uh, yeah, I just think it's got to be a cool experience to go in there and pick something there too. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I would think so. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I will tell you on the old Forester pick experience, it's a good experience. Like, yeah, I've done it a couple the way, times. The way that they do it, it's it's nice. The and then, table in the Rick House, it's that that's cool. The tour, like if you if you haven't done it, they do like a really <laughs> top notch tour leading up to getting in the Rick House to do the pick. You know, so if you if you've been a couple of times and your team has done it before, you can skip <laughs> that part. But like the whole experience is pretty top notch at Old yeah. Forester. Yeah. For the, Real, real I, I'd agree with that for sure. And I've heard Heaven Hills improve their experience over what we've experienced. In a massive way. Good. In yes. a very massive way. Now I'm a Heaven Hill fan. Give boy. yourself a pat, pat on the back there. Yeah, it's because I, I just, you know, shouted out. Torched them. Tor- I torched did, them. I got flame that place, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, but it was deserved. Yeah, because it was it's terrible. It was garbage. It was but, yeah. garbage, but now it's really good. Good to hear that they've gotten things stringed out per, mm-hmm. per your guidance. Yeah, I mean, they they, they called me and they apologized yeah. and stuff. But, you know, I, I, I told them, here's how you fix it. And they, they wrote it down and they implemented it. Yeah. yeah. Set aside a couple hand grenades for you. Yeah, yeah they sure did. Mm-hmm. They sure did, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got the full decanter set of uh, old fits now. Well, let's uh, – Let's wrap up the episode uh, with a couple things. One, are you uh, are you or do you see people who have been into bourbon with you shifting to different spirits because of you know is this kind of you know you you've kind of just overdone yourself in bourbon and you're trying to you know you know you enjoy spirits and what's else, you know it's going from just chasing bourbon all the time to going I want to. See what the world of what's the diversity in the world of spirits. What else can I explore and, and enjoy? Whether it be scotch or rum or tequila or whatever it might be, uh, gins. Um, and then what what's your buying habit for bourbons now? What do you guys uh, are you still buying or do you have so much surplus that you're just kind of drinking and buying is just kind of when you see something unique or different or a pick if you do. Kind or, of, or do you have some standard shelf stuff that you know? I'm just kind of drinking these. Standard shelf things, and when I run out, I just kind of refill. That's those. a good point, Rob. I, I'll tell you what I drink, like just on a normal basis. Normal basis is uh, George C. Stag. But no, what I drink most of the time, Maker's Mark Cast Drink. If I'm going to yeah. just pour myself something, and it's just a, a crappy day or something like that, I just want to have a pour. Chillax. It's a great proof point. You know, it's not not too high in proof. And from a weeded whiskey perspective, I mean, it's hard to beat in terms of quality and value. We've talked about this before on the podcast is, you know, people that are chasing the 107, chasing the full proof. If you blind Maker's (laughs) Mark cast strength against Weller. A lot of times, a lot of times it wins. Uh, I've never had a time where it didn't come out on top. And I I really don't mean for that to happen. It's just been that way. Mm -hmm. But that's just been a go-to bottle that I can always find. I'll drink a, have a pour of that, and then I've had myself a good evening. Yeah, like last night, um, I poured myself something special. You know, poured like a dusty wild turkey. But like that's a Saturday night pour. Like, you know, if you're, you know, talking about like, hey, you know, once or twice a week or something like that, yeah, like during the week. Yeah. That's the kind of thing I drink. Yeah. And, uh, and I'd say like, as far as stuff that I'm hunting for, yeah. I mean, you know, if I see some really special shit sitting on the shelves, sure. I mean, of course I'll buy it, you know, but uh, 
most of the time I'm not even hunting. That's the thing for me. I, I like how you heard me say I don't even go down the bourbon aisle. I'm usually in a, a store for wine or something like that. And I might go say, you know, see what I see in the rum aisle or anything like that. But uh, I, I, I'm just not buying bourbon. And my wife, I think she appreciates and enjoys that I'm not spending money on bourbon like I used to. I just don't need it. Uh, I have enough stuff to just drink as uh, that can be daily drinkers, and yeah, we can talk about. Yeah, and you know what I do have is you know, call them special bottles. I don't have the collections you two guys have, but uh, I have enough that if somebody comes over, I can pour something that's still, you know, good enough to to. Impress yeah, that somebody. looks like a go- garbage. Uh, yeah. You know, a uh, uh, little collection you got over C- here compared. Yeah, little compared to yours. Well, and Leo, we do some bartering. I'll trade you some bottles for wine. Oh, we can do that. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah, uh, sure. I don't have an EA Taylor barrel proof. I've made an offer to you. Yeah, I don't have like I drank. I've only got two eighteen fifty fives left. I didn't say eighteen fifty five. What do you want? I said the eight the eight year one hundred ones. Yeah, I might be able to help That's you. Not there. a bad trade. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, what do you buy? What do you drink? I mean, I've gotten to the point where I like for bourbon. I mean, I think I'm just exclusively buying bourbons that I've picked. Yeah. You know, like most recently, uh, pick dropped and I bought a case of it for yeah. roses, right? So, you know, that, that'll hold me over for a while. Sure. And what I like to do is like share with friends, right? So, like, hey, you know, one or two bottles at cost to some people that like four roses and hold on to some for myself. And then, like, I was thinking, like, what is the most recent thing that I bought from a spirit standpoint was a single barrel El Tesoro Reposado. Oh, yeah. Pack. It's good so tequila. Like, so it's venturing out, you know? Yeah. It's like you get to a point where you feel like you're you know, pretty well versed on what's out there in the market, what you don't like, what you do like, and that'll limit your purchasing. And then it's like, okay, well, what are some things that I don't have as much experience in? And you start like leaning that way, right? So like branching out more into wine, mm-hmm. agave-related spirits, rum. Um, and, and, you know, my opinion is is like, Wine and agave is the go-to for Houston. It's just so hot, you know, for the majority of the year. Well, that, uh, you know, wines and agave cocktails. I do spirits, see uh, cocktails for yeah. sure. So I, I see from the groups and people we interact with that a lot of us like to cook. And mm-hmm. I think wine is, you know, guys who didn't and ladies who didn't drink as much wine a few years ago, I'm seeing are into that spirit. Of, uh, it's not even a spirit, that beverage a lot more. Mm-hmm than uh, what I saw a few years ago. And I think that's great because, you know, wines, if I had to pick a favorite alcoholic beverage, that would be my favorite uh, by a wide margin. Um, so I think it's pretty cool that a lot of people are getting into wine because they absolutely love wine. I, I'm, I think it's cool that you're getting into wine. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, it just like pairs with, you know, dining very well. Like when I was just like, you know, really a novice in general with spirits, you know, just like, Come out of college just crushing wild turkey 101 and Coke, you know, and slamming some cold snacks. You could have done um, worse. When I was getting the whiskey, I would like, you know, pair it with, you know, have a glass of whiskey while you're having dinner. But you just, you're, you don't really drink it much while you're having a meal, right? Like it may be sitting there. You may have a sip, maybe two, but the wine is just so much more enjoyable. I'm going to so, first start by saying all of them are delicious. There's but, not a bad one in the bunch. You took the words right out of my mouth, okay. Rob. That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> well, great, great minds think alike. <laughs> so I, That's what she I said. think that all all three of these 
you know, hold their own very well. And are also, you know, very uh, different, even though they're all eagle rare being, you know, they are single barrels. So, like, my favorite right now, and I, I think it's just like a preference thing. My favorite right now would be C. It was number two for the nose to me. It's got, like, a light citrus thing. It's earlier in the day, you know, so I feel like this is, like, a, a perfect ramp-up pour. It's got good flavors. A would be my second. It was number one on the nose, but it's just, like, the most robust one and full-bodied for me for flavor. Um, you know, get a lot of baking spices. And then B would be number three. And, um, you know, I did pick up some of the fruity stuff. So I like all, all three of them. And, and based on what we're doing right now, it's just like I would drink the most of C. Okay. You want me to go next or you want to go? I'll go. That's okay. fine. Uh, I, my order will be um, A, B, C. Uh, really? Right yeah. down the line. Right ABC. down the line. Uh, so the reason I liked A the most is it's just the most balanced of all of them. To me, like it had a longer-ish finish. It mm-hmm. had a really good nose. It, it had like kind of that traditional Eagle Rare kind of nose that I would expect, but amped up. And that's why I liked A. B, yeah. I thought was, um, I, I the nose kind of grew on me a little bit more. Uh, but B, um, I would say like it actually had to me the longest finish uh, of all of them. Uh, after I started tasting them more and more. And I thought it actually was like a little bit more of a puncher. Uh, And then C, I thought was really good, but very different. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't necessarily fit profile for me. uh, And that's kind of why I ranked it last. Now, whether you would, like, depending on your mood, C might be the best one, you know? Uh, Yeah, I would agree that, you know, A and B were much more similar than C. Yeah, it, it just didn't fit profile, which doesn't mean that's a bad thing. It just means that's just, uh, to me, it wasn't what I was expecting, so I didn't, yeah. you know, rank it third. And it, it's funny that you just made that comment that A and B were more similar than C to mm-hmm. you. Because I, I, like you, I, and, and let me start, I think both of you made the point about mood could drive this. And right now, I, c- I could see any of these, depending on my mood, being my favorite. You know, mm-hmm. I, I could say I like any of them at depending on my mood. But right now, my favorite is still B on the nose and on the palate. But I thought B and C were the more similar pores. Hmm. And I thought, you know, what I mean by that is I thought this was just high energy. This was like, you know, yeah. it had some bite to it. it, had some like, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, yeah, punch, you know, and just let me know. Like, like, like preference-wise, like A would be my like, okay, like my after dinner, I'm winding down, a yeah. good full-bodied whiskey, you mm-hmm. know. B to me was like kind of mellow. Hey, dude, how you doing? Let's just mm-hmm. kind of relax a little bit. And it was just kind of hitting me right now. It was just kind of sipping on it, just making me kind of go, just kind of kicking it, just kind of yeah. relaxing. And C was kind of somewhere in between where it was like a little bit more relaxed with that, but it had a little that citrus and that kind yeah. of on it, but not as high energy as A. And so, yeah, I went B, C, A as my favorite. Well, B e- was my. Each of us had a different top pour. Yeah. Yeah. So B was my favorite. C, a was my favorite. And C was your favorite. Mm-hmm. Okay. Should we do the reveal? Yes. All right. Let me get the uh, the key and we'll we'll do this real quick. Awesome. Okay, Leo, you made a, you made a good point. You just said, uh, what'd you say? There's no, 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 no wrong answer. No wrong answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
getting that crunch on there, boys. We are recording. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. All right. Um, are we live right now? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're recording. <laughs> I'm over here strapping on the feedback. Uh, one, two, and three. One is Longhorn. Two is Ryan's. And three is Twin Liquor. And if we take that over to here, one is, and ours is A. So one is Longhorn. A is Longhorn. B, two is Ryan's. You're Ryan's. welcome. You're welcome, Bo. That was my favorite, Bo. Yeah. <laughs> the only one C here is picked twin, it, twin Liquor, then. And C is Twin Liquor. Okay. So, uh, so A is Longhorn. B is Ryan's, and C is Twin Liquor. All three very solid picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's that's a, a good point to make, is that all of them are just really, really good. And like I said, I could, I could see – I really could. I, I mean, I thought they were all delicious. And when you're trying to pick your favorite, you're really splitting hairs. I oh, mean, yeah. You, you pour any of these on any night by itself – and I'm going to think it's absolutely fantastic Just, and delicious. You could also have the exact opposite, right? So sometimes one pick easily comes to the top. These are all pretty neck and shoulders, even with each other. And I think it just goes to say, like we were talking about earlier, from a quality and consistency standpoint, the shelf products are a great value. But if you see a Eagle Eagle Rare, Buffalo Trace, a pick, you know, just, just buy it. Just pick it up. Yeah, I agree with it. that. Yeah. yeah, I'd say the Buffalo Trace, if we had three Buffalo Trace picks here, it, we'd have a similar type of hey, result. I do have three. Yeah, so we need to run that back then. We'll run that back with Buffalo Trace and see how that goes. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks, guys, for doing this. Had a lot of fun. A little bourbon talk. A little yeah, uh, clarifying that uh, wine is the only beverage that goes with food. So I was <laughs> glad we got that done. Um, From a closed-minded individual. <laughs> I mean, you know. Let me like, shut my closet door and get back in there. Yeah. Uh, but, no, a lot of fun having this conversation, fellas. Thanks for doing it. And uh, we're going to get off here, go eat a burger, and maybe drink a little wine. Or do you want a bourbon with your burger? No, I'll have wine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening oh, to this episode of Food, Wine, and Whiskey. And until our next episode, enjoy your next pour. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>